Our first scripture reading today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. But the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Luke's gospel, and it is Luke's account of this part of the resurrection. We're in Luke 24, 1 through 12. Listen again with fresh ears. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but these men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen." Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they didn't believe them. But Peter got up, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So pastor is driving with his son past a cemetery and right in the front there near the road as they pass, they see one of 
the spots that has been dug up, excavated for a graveside service later in the day. And the five-year-old says to his dad, "Uh uh-oh, daddy, one got out. Today is the day that we celebrate the one who got out. Today is the day of our Christian year. It is in the foundation of our Christian belief. Everything that we say and believe about who we are is focused on the resurrection today. Everything that you see, the flowers, if you can smell them, they are beautiful. The stones, the banners, the choir, the song, even one another. All of us are here to proclaim and be witnesses to the fact that Christ has been raised, that Christ is alive. And that's hard going sometimes to believe such an idle tale as scripture says. So let's jump in a little bit to this to see why Luke is telling us this story in the way that he is. So if you remember last week, it was Palm Sunday. Jesus was entering on a donkey into Jerusalem and shouts of Hosanna, as Vicki had said, save us, save us, yea God, Hosanna. And after that, throughout the rest of the week, Jesus was cleansing the temple, turning over tables. He was preaching in parables. Then when we get to Thursday, as we observed in our Thursday and Friday services last week, the Last Supper, that ritual that Christ gave them before he left as a way to remember him always. Here's the bread. When you break this, Every time you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. Same thing with the cup. My blood shed for you. You'll understand that more later. He didn't say that, but that's what he knew. And we continue to celebrate that last supper right here for us once a month. So he left them with that and then went to the garden, prayed for strength, prayed that not his will, Christ's will, but God's will be done. He was betrayed, arrested, and starts this horrible cycle, the end moments of Jesus's life on this earth toward the cross. Mock trials. Those who were falsely accusing him. Blasphemy and sedition. Blasphemy is theological. Sedition is civil. Both. Jesus was accused of breaking laws in both the religious and civil realms. Pilate sent him to Herod. Herod sent him back to Pilate. Pilate tried, we know that. And finally, he could do no other to maintain the peace in order and said, okay, crucify him. So he was. He was taken, hastily buried in a tomb, Joseph of Arimathea, right as the Sabbath on that Friday was beginning. And that's where the disciples, that's where the women, that's where all the followers are 
who had been with Jesus and been following Jesus, some of them now for three years. They had given up everything to follow their family, their vocations, their safety. And now this simple peasant carpenter who claimed to be the Messiah is dead? They would have not just been broken by Jesus' death. They would have also been broken by the idea that, in fact, all of the eggs they put in the Jesus Messiah basket are gone. He can't be the Messiah if he's dead. All those things that he said to us can't be right because he's dead. He is buried. All of those hopes and dreams... The fulfillment of all of those things that Jesus was to them, done. They are in a state of confusion and of brokenness for a variety of reasons. So into today come the women, the most faithful in all of those who followed Christ. Sunday morning, they came to finish the job they couldn't do Friday night in preparing his body for burial. They, were, they came to the tomb, and what did they think was going to happen at the tomb? This stone that's thousands of pounds, they weren't going to be able to do that. Maybe they thought the Roman guards would be there and could help. For whatever reason, maybe there were more than Luke lets us know were there. For whatever reason, they were seeking to be faithful and finish all they knew how to do to go and take care of Jesus one last time. But when they get there, dun, 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 the stone is rolled away. The tomb is open, perplexed. They run in and what do they see? Nothing. No Jesus. Nobody. Nobody. And then, in their confusion and chaos, two men in dazzling clothes, these angels speak to them. Some of the most poignant words in Scripture. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen like he told you. Remember what he told you. And they did. But let's stop here for a second. Why do you look for the living among the dead? I think the temptation for us is to flip that on its head. I think often, consciously or unconsciously, we look for the dead among the living. I mean that it is often more convenient for us to treat Christ as if he died and is no longer among us the living. What is our model for death? Those that we love die, they move on. Is this gathering at Easter our yearly memorial service where we remember that teacher, that one with that great moral code that we want to emulate? Or is there more? If consciously or unconsciously we keep Jesus dead as far as what happened after his earthly life, what does that mean for us? 
Well, often it means right now in the short term, it's easier, right? Or we think, we mistakenly think it is. If Jesus isn't alive now, if I can just remember the good guy that Jesus was and his lessons, then I don't really have to do much. I don't have to respond to the living Christ because he's not living. I can come, I can do Bible study, I can teach, I can learn. Do we keep Christ dead among the living? The problem with that is that Christ isn't dead, that Christ is alive. And if we try to keep Christ at a distance, if we try to keep Christ just as a loved one who has passed and we remember him fondly, then his sacrifice and his resurrection are in vain. Christ is alive. We know that when we seek him, when we look for him, it's not just the biblical witness and all that we know feeds into our understanding of Christ being raised. As Vicki said, God did that, but how did God do that? God is all-powerful. I do not know the mechanism. But I don't need to either. Think about those times in your life when you may have had a God moment. Maybe on retreat when you were a youth or a child. Maybe volunteering at the homeless shelter. Maybe in worship. Maybe through the choir and the music proclaimed. Maybe when you gather for prayer and Bible study. Maybe you're walking down the street and you see someone, a book, a movie, a song. I'm convinced that God speaks to us consistently and wants us to be looking and expecting God to be present. If we keep Jesus dead among the living, then we don't expect God to do a thing. We throw up our empty prayers thinking, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Instead of knowing that Christ is present and listening and walking with us, although it doesn't mean we get what we want. Think about those moments when you might have been with Christ. Pastor, I don't have any of those moments in my life. I guarantee you have. The hard part is to admit to ourselves sometimes as we try to shut all that down because then we have to admit that God is real and Christ is real and we have to adjust our lives to be disciples. Not toes in the water disciples, but jump in the deep end disciples. Like Peter who runs, can't believe it takes off to see it himself, runs towards what he thinks is the presence of Christ. That is what we are to do on Easter Sunday. With abandon and passion, run towards Christ. On any given day, I run the opposite direction at pretty good speed. I know we all do. That is a part of our challenge. But Easter reminds us that it is worth the effort because that's why we are here Life is meant to be more than just going through the different stations, trying to contribute to society, nice family, nice friends, and then we die. And, and those are good things. But we are meant for so much more. And when we keep Jesus dead among the living, we too, a part of us, whether we know it or not, are dead also. 
It is through this Holy Spirit that God transforms us, lifts us, and reminds us that we all have gifts. We all need to take the love of Christ into the world because the world so desperately needs it. Do you remember some of those times in your life when you felt closer to Christ? Two weeks ago, I went to Houston, Texas, where my mother and sister are. My mom lives with my sister. She's at the end of a 10-year-plus journey with Alzheimer's. Horrible. I think this was probably the last time that we will see her in this way. Hasn't been able to recognize or see or understand for quite some time. Bedridden, can't move her arms or legs, needs to be fed. There might be a second of recognition, but then she turns away. In my last moment with her, I was able to grasp her hand and I started humming Amazing Grace. And she started humming back. Not exactly the tune, but she was humming. She knew it was music. She knew for a moment I was there. And to me, that's not a dead Christ. That's not dead among the living. God's spirit was with us and connected us, if only for that last moment. And I will be forever thankful for that moment. One small example, but you all have them. The more you have them and recognize, the more you will see more. And the more we drop the defenses, the more we will see that we don't have to have it all figured out. All we need to know is enough. And today, enough is that Christ is alive, not dead, alive. And if Christ is alive, then that means Christ is here. And that means Christ still has purpose and mission as all of us do. We are called to be his children and to participate in building his kingdom on the earth. That's what gives us purpose and meaning. That's why we are given the relationships, the gifts, the opportunities, the places, the people, this church family, all church families. Do not be in isolation. Do not think for one second that you aren't special, called, and loved by God. Maybe you just haven't found your way yet. And if you are those who have had no encounter with God and you've not been able to think through, experience any of that, all I challenge you with is just to be open to the presence of Christ with you. Just start to think, start to see. Is that, is that God talking to me, that preacher right? Well, of course the preacher's right. But you have to notice yourself and be open to that presence. I know many of you are here against your will. You are locked in family units. You can't have lunch until you come to worship. I get it. Christ works through that as well. So today is a day we celebrate, not a wrathful God that wants to smite you into hell forever, but a God who gives Christ as a gift on Good Friday, on Easter Sunday, who is raised to give us all grace and life 
And now it is our job to follow, to celebrate, and to share that with the world that just doesn't get it. So let's go and let's proclaim together with one loud voice that Christ is alive. With me, Christ is alive. Hallelujah. Amen.